one of the wonderful things about music is that it's it's by and large pretty universal you know when almost any culture will perceive a minor chord as something that's that feels sad and mm-hmm. even you know my my four-year-old can identify that as oh that's sad um but there are more subtleties of course too you know um and that may affect instrument choice it might affect tempo and it might affect chord progression Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. Sound plays a more important role in human behavior and our decision-making than you may realize. In this podcast, I'll help you understand the art and science of sound so you can better influence others in business and your life. I'm your host, Jody Krangle. Let's delve a little deeper. This is the second part of my interview with Eric Singer. What's your typical way of working with ad agencies to make sure that they have all the information they need to present what you're apparently not going to be there to present? Yeah. <laughs> um, so back in, in, in the before times, um, gosh, I swore I wasn't going to mention the pandemic. I have uh, called this, it but... that too. Yes. <laughs> the before times. Yes. In the before times, <laughs> we would try to present creative in person as as often as we possibly could. Um, and that wasn't all the time. We're in Colorado, so um, most of our clients are not here. But if it's a big project, we're, we'll, we'll fly out and, and present in person. Um, but these days, obviously, that's, that's not an option. So um, we end up presenting in a, in a virtual format. Um, and I've found that the way I like to do that is to get on a Zoom call or a Google Meet and walk through each one of our demos with the the agency or the client tell them here's what you're about to hear you're going to hear this instrument featured here's why we did that oh hey and we also did a mock-up of your tv spot with some local voice actors so that you can hear the music in context here comes that demo with the context and then you'll hear the music on its own right after that I have a question for you though when you do that virtually are people hearing what you hear if they're hearing it over zoom no so what I I I learned that lesson in in that's a (laughs) real quickly (laughs) yeah the very first time I tried to do it um you know the Zoom or Google Meet or whatever you're using is going to degrade the quality. So totally. Um, so what I do now is send them a link in the chat of the meeting. Oh, that makes and, sense. And yeah. say, hey, so make sure ahead of time. I tell everybody get make sure you have headphones for this presentation, and I'll do my little spiel, and then I'll shut the hell up and ask them to click on the link that's in the chat, and and then we we'll talk about it. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, you want you want the audio to shine as much as it possibly can, and it's hard to do that over Zoom. <laughs> Boy, is it! It really is. Although I will say that that one benefit of that is that sometimes we'd find ourselves presenting in you know an agency conference room or something that had really shitty sounding speakers and that obviously doesn't do your work any favors either and by by presenting virtually these days we can tell people hey please have headphones most people have fairly decent headphones and at least it's a more controlled environment to listen in so yeah um, that makes sense it's it's not terrible and (laughs) you know i i think um whenever we do have to go through this process with an agency that then is going to turn around and present the work without us, you know, I try to just give them, um, 
all of the, the, the stuff that I've talked about during the presentation in an email afterwards. And a really good creative team or account team is probably going to do a better job of presenting than I could anyway. They know their client. They're, they're used to doing this. And, you know, they sure, may be aware yeah. of the childhood traumatic piano lessons or whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, I'd always at least want to be in the room during that presentation. It doesn't always work out, but I'd, I'd like to at least be there if no other reason than just to answer questions that might come up. Um, and, sense, yeah. you know, there are some other players in this space, companies like us who do sonic branding, who don't work with agencies in that capacity. And I fully appreciate why they would do that. Um, but for us, that model wouldn't work. Um, you know, like I said, our biggest single category of client is ad agencies. And we've always worked really closely with agency people and we just really enjoy it. Uh, I, I love talking about the fact that one of our original founding partners at Coop, Patrick Cully, was a, a full-on rock and roll legend. He was the tour manager for the Rolling Stones. He managed Whoa. and co-wrote songs for the Eagles. Like, sure. top of the heap in, as far as that line of work goes. Mm-hmm. Um is and, that why you guys started a sonic branding division at Coop? <laughs> well, so it's it's interesting because, you know, Patrick and, and Scott um, founded the company and they, um, you know, it was originally just a recording studio for, for musicians to come in and, and record. And then a local bicycle shop here in Boulder asked Scott if he could write a jingle for them. And that kind of started us down this path. And so I guess, you know, when you go back to the jingle days, this was, I think, 1979, nobody was using the phrase sonic branding, but of course that's what it was. Um, and but jingles are awesome for helping jingles with are memory. Awesome. I mean, yeah. I love me a good jingle. I mean, they, they kind of have gotten this reputation now for being like kitschy. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, they worked. That's they the worked. thing, right? And now we're trying to like backtrack and figure out, oh, now what do we do without jingles? <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more. Like, you know, I, I think we we in, in advertising get so caught up sometimes in chasing awards, you know, doing the most creative work we can, doing the most groundbreaking work we can, doing the most inspirational. Yeah, if it's not memorable, that's a failed commercial. (laughs) Exactly. I think we sometimes forget our job is to sell things, move product. And there are few things more effective than than a good old cheesy ass jingle to do that. How do you make that authentic? That's the, you know, because that's the buzzword right now, right? Yeah. Authenticity. <laughs> so, and, I mean, yeah. How do you make a jingle authentic is really what is coming up now, I guess, with people trying to figure out, okay, well, we can't do jingles. We can't hire this big, you know, uh, celebrity to yep. sing this song and, you know, modify it to use our product name. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so what do we do now? <laughs> Yeah. What um, do we do now? <laughs> I, I, to me, the, um, the, the, the issue of authenticity is kind of our easiest thing at Coop to fall back on because it's like, that's, that's exactly okay. where we came from. You know, like yeah. you, you want legit music. That's, that's what we were founded on. And then we, we just sort of discovered along the way that we really, really enjoy applying that authentic creativity that that art form of creating music and sound to advertising and that's 
um, Patrick, the 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 Rolling Stones and Eagles manager, he ended up leaving rock and roll behind. He loved the experience of working with ad agencies on advertising so much that he left it all behind and went to go work at an ad agency. And he just retired after 20 some years with Ogilvy. Um, Not, not a super typical career path, but it it always cracks me up when I see a job posting looking for a rock star creative director. (laughs) I don't know if they make those anymore, but he was one. (laughs) (laughs) That is, that is actually pretty funny, but yeah. um, I mean, I can understand the allure. I can, I mean, you know, as a, as a voice actor, if I really wanted to, I guess I could go into animation and video games, but I've always mm-hmm. been drawn to the advertising, the yeah. marketing. Like, that's always really making other people money is actually kind of fun. <laughs> it <is. laughs> it's like a personal, uh, like a, a challenge, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do too. You know, the, it, it's, um, there is something really special about each one of our composers in that they're all three of them are insanely talented musicians and i i almost hate to use the word talented because it implies that there's just something inherent in them that that makes them better at what they do than the well, rest they of us practice a lot and too exactly. i'll bet like that's you know exactly. <laughs> talent's only like 10 percent. <laughs> right they they are all hugely talented but above all else they work their asses off at honing their craft yeah and they all have this love for bringing their own take to somebody else's vision, you know, and that and that's what it's all about for, Can for I, what yeah. Can I just say that I love that they're actually making money doing what they love to do? Yes. Like I this this whole starving artist thing should just go away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Um yeah, it, we we see it here constantly because our our business model is essentially during the day, Monday through Friday, we're working on sound and music for advertising and films. And at nighttime is when we open up the studio to independent musicians to come in and record at a at a much 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 lower rate than, than what an agency would pay. So you know we're we're still um, in that world of independent musicians, and it is um, it's it's really sad to me that you know a band who's coming in and recording with us tonight they've got a gig this weekend and. They've got seven members of the band, and that gig is going to pay them $800 or something, which is about what that gig would have paid 30 or 40 years ago. You yeah, know, there's yeah. there's just artists are only getting more starving. Um, oh, yeah. It's so harder it, for anyone it, to do anything right is. now. All it, online. It, you know, totally. a lot of it is local, but even like the venues are like at half or t- like less capacity. And yeah. then, yeah, it's like it's oh, it's just a nightmare for a lot of artists right now. <laughs> it is. But, you know, I, I think it also presents an, an opportunity to pivot the business model of independent musicians, whereas the, the goal used to be, let's get a record deal. Now that's that's almost meaningless. Oh, yeah. And it hasn't uh, been that way for a while, actually. Totally. You're yeah. so right. Are you looking for ways to improve your company's or podcast's impact? 
you'd be surprised how powerful the use of an intentional audio branding strategy can be. Want to know more? I have a free downloadable PDF that gives you my five tips for implementing an intentional audio strategy at voiceoversandvocals.com slash audio branding strategy. That location does ask to put you on a mailing list just to send you updates on when the new podcasts come out. But if you really don't want to give your email out, I understand. Just contact me directly. My email is all over my website and I'll make sure you get that PDF without needing to sign up anywhere. If you do sign up though, you also get access to a resources section called The Studio, where I have videos, white papers and PDFs, discounts from my guests and snippets of audio from my guests that no one else gets to hear. So maybe it's worth your while, totally up to you. And of course, if you're looking for voiceovers, you can get in touch with me about that too. Now, back to the podcast. I had a um, website called The Muse's Muse, which was on for a long, <laughs> long time, from like 1995 to 2016. And it was basically a songwriting resource. So I spoke mm. to a lot of people who were trying to make this a living. And I saw Napster. Like, I actually <sighs> saw the decimation that it caused yeah. and watched the industry tank. <laughs> totally. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a really interesting study to see how people are doing their best to make a living now. Mm -hmm. And I think the way they're doing it is becoming influencers online. Like, that's really the only way that they can manage to yeah. make any money at this at this point it's yeah, yeah. You, you look at the career path of, of somebody like Lil Nas X where mm -hmm. that, that's exactly as you describe he mm -hmm. he he just worked social media to to his advantage he became an influencer and now he's uh what is his title chief culture officer for Taco Bell <laughs> yeah yeah you know yeah. And it's and, and I think well, that's for him that's the new record deal is yes. um a big uh, advertising place yeah <laughs> yeah yeah because they pay they do. <laughs> I mean, they that's do. the thing, right? Like no one else is paying and yep. the big record labels are like all into like Spotify and mm -hmm. <laughs> that pays the artist cents on every yeah. play. Like it's crazy. Yeah. It so, really yeah. is. It's, it's a whole new world out there. But yeah. I, I think the, the plus side of that is that there's so much content, not just advertising, but podcasts and streaming video, um, whether it's advertorial or just entertainment stuff, there is so much content that needs music. There are infinitely more opportunities to, to get your music heard through a, a non-traditional route like you know, whether it's being in, in a corporate explainer video or it's, you know, the opening credits of a, of a new must-see TV show, um, you've, you've got more chances for more people to hear your music than ever before. Yeah, it's there just are a lot more mediums. Yeah, yeah, you're just competing in a, in a pretty saturated marketplace, yeah, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, there are pros and cons. <laughs> it's tough. No it is really hard out there for musicians. I do not envy them. <laughs> it is, but you know, one, one of my favorite things about this job is being able to connect bands with brands that uh, rolls right off the tongue. I should be a bumper sticker or something. Um, uh, <laughs> but rhymed. you know, con connecting <laughs> artists with people who, who need independent music is, is incredibly rewarding. Um, you know, especially given our sort of unique business model where we've, we've got independent musicians in here every night and we're working with organizations every day. We have a lot of chance to, to connect people uh together and that, that is 
for me in, incredibly rewarding. We're, sure. we're doing something right now with a. With I was going to ask, do you have yeah. any examples of this right now? Yeah, that would be yeah. good to hear about. <laughs> we were we're working to um, uh, to uh, negotiate a deal between um, the Gill Foundation, which uh, is a, an organization, a nonprofit that works with LBTQ plus. Um, uh, people to to support them in various ways and and to you know so we're working on connecting them with the with an artist who can embody their values and uh, and help them get their their message out to people who need to hear it uh, and they're you know every week there's there's something like that where where we're getting to make these connections and uh, and f- help help brands find artists that um, that can embody who who they want to portray themselves as. And it's, it's good. It's a, a great opportunity for everyone. Mm-hmm. So are you working on anything in particular now that you can talk about? <laughs> yeah, I mean, besides, um, you know, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, an yeah. actual, a whole audio branding right. spectrum um, thing. Yeah. <laughs> so right now, um, we are working on um, a campaign for a large European uh confectionery i guess you'd say it's a candy maker uh they they make a bunch of of candies and those are uh sold all around the world and we are currently we we've, we've we've done various theme songs for them and and jingles and and shorter form sonic branding pieces and we're currently uh localizing something so we we created uh essentially a short jingle in English for the U.S. and Canadian markets, and we're now in the process of localizing that, which is one of my absolute favorite things to do because it it just lets us geek out on such a bigger pool of of data. Um, How do so you as, do that exactly? Yeah, um, so we have a few great partners in the translation and localization space so we don't have any translators on our payroll but we partner with with some really really great ones and then we also bring in whoever we might need so on on a project of this size we bring in a strategist who's going to work with us to talk about um you know, sort of be the the conduit between the strategy team at the agency and and our own composer team. Um, we want to really geek out and drill down and talk to the people at the marketing office in each of these countries to find out more about their market, what their challenges are, um, and. In some cases, we might make no changes to the music. It may be simply a matter of translating the lyrics into the local language. But that's almost never going to be a straight translation. Um, there's so much more to factor in. Um, the cultural context, rhyming schemes, um, all of that yeah. factors into it. So we'll, we'll go through a few rounds of back and forth with translators and um, sometimes we'll work with, uh, with voiceover coaches who focus on you know a, a specific language and we we try to make it a, a pretty big party uh where where we we get input from anybody who has something valuable to to bring to the table do you ever change the music like the actual instruments you're using or the sometimes beat, or whether we it's do. major or minor yeah yeah that's a great question sometimes we do um there are 
you know, one of the wonderful things about music is that it's it's by and large pretty universal. You know, when almost any culture will perceive a minor chord as something that's that feels sad, and mm-hmm. even you know, my my four year old can identify that as oh, that's sad. Um, but there are more subtleties, of course, too, you know, um, and that may affect instrument choice. It might affect tempo and it might affect chord progression. Um, I only raised the point because I know that MasterCard just recently was doing that as well. And they did a whole musical spectrum for the world, basically. Mm-hmm. That was very, as you were saying, uh, localized to each geographical area. And they changed I mean, it was the same notes, but they mm-hmm. changed the way that they were presented. So different beats, different musical instruments that were more focused on where they were being heard, you know, that kind of thing. Totally. And yeah, there's also the thing of like, and again, I wanted to ask you about this if you ever um, like work this into what you're doing as well, because a lot of these are being heard on different mediums at this point, right? Like they're being heard uh, mm-hmm. on Google Home or Alexa, or they're being heard on your phone, or they're being heard out of your computer speaker, or they're being heard in a large auditorium or on the television or on the radio. And all of these different places, like, do you do you think about how that sound sounds when it comes through these different locations? Yeah, absolutely. We, we'd we be dead in the water really quick if we didn't, um, particularly with the um, rise in popularity of uh, people listening to things on earbuds or, or other headphones. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's really like listening under a microscope. And it's, it's frankly made us better at our jobs because we would typically mix, you know, if it's a, a television commercial, we'd, we'd mix it so it sounds good on a television. Um, but these days, somebody's just as likely to be watching that spot or watching that show on their computer or their tablet with earphones on. Yeah. And we've got a mix for that environment, which is so much more revealing. I know that we're all dealing with a lot these days, so I really wanted to acknowledge those that have gone out of their way to leave an honest review of this podcast. Like Gregory, who writes, More. There is more to branding and marketing. Thanks to Audio Branding for introducing me to the world of audio and sound. Love it. Thanks, Gregory. I appreciate the listen and the kind words. And for those of you that are interested, you can also leave a voice review now off of the main podcast page. It's super simple and fun, and I'd love to hear what you think. Now, back to the show. There's a lot that goes into this. I mean, we're probably only touching the surface here, I know. But uh, where do you see this going in the future? Because this is, I mean, it's getting bigger all the time. I think a lot more people are talking about it now just because we're so overloaded with everything else. (laughs) Yeah, there's no doubt. There's so much clutter. Um, Mm -hmm. And, well, clutter is actually an an appropriate word to use here because I I think that, that one thing that, I believe we're going to see much more of in in probably the fairly near future is hyper targeted um, out of home advertising. So you know, out oh, of home if you're, if you're if you're not an advertising nerd, mm-hmm. that's like a billboard or you know things things like that. You know, not not an ad that's served to you on your television or, or radio necessarily, but just something that's out there in the wild. Um, so directional sound technology is improving to the point now where we can aim a narrow beam of sound 
physically pointed at someone and deliver audio to them without it being audible to the people around them. I love this. You know, Steve Keller mentioned this in one of his TEDx talks because Mm. he was talking about a brand of banana where if you stood on one particular spot in the grocery store, it would tell you from above you exactly why you should buy that particular brand of banana. (laughs) Man, that okay, that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's pretty cool, yeah. talking about that like years ago wow (laughs) and it's surprising that we don't see more of that but Mm -hmm. but i think it's expensive i think to implement it it, you're right you're right um you know one of the applications where you do see this already um is in museums you know you're standing in front of one painting and and uh it's it's giving you the the background of, of that artist or whatever um so that's that's happening already and you know, using the, as, as you referenced, the technology is getting better and less expensive. Um, that's and the using, key. <laughs> that's the key, right? Yeah. Um, using ultrasound, you know, now we can not only aim tightly and, and, and narrow that, that down, but we can also project many times farther than um, typical uh, sound, sound projection that's in the normal sonic range, uh, hearing range would allow. Wow. So it's gotten better better and better in especially in in just the last couple of years so of course now it's being monetized and i think you're the the banana example is a is a great (laughs) example and sort of like why the hell isn't this being deployed more and i I think you're right it's just been the the cost but now that the cost is starting to come down you know advertising is the obvious application um as as soon as we we find a new technology somebody's going to make porn with it and and somebody's going to advertise with yeah, it we, we know yeah. that one or the other or both <laughs> yeah. or both <laughs> that's how we humans work yep. <laughs> oh my goodness yeah that's that's a good point but yeah i i'm curious as to what you would use that sonic projection that goes further for like <laughs> well you know i i could imagine um in let's say it's it's again let's go back to the grocery store uh example if you don't want to go to the expense of having one ultrasonic speaker array over the bananas and another one over the dairy uh, case and another one over by uh the cereal aisle you could theoretically install one unit that is in some central location on the ceiling with line of sight, because that's really all you need is line of sight. Mm -hmm. And with ultrasound, you don't even necessarily need that. One unit that could be pivoting and and targeting, you know, responding to motion sensors when somebody steps into this area, it shoots over to the dairy case and delivers a six-second message there, Mm -hmm. pivots over to the meat aisle and, and so on. You know, they kind of do this. This is going to sound very strange, but they kind of do this in washrooms, <laughs> like in, in restrooms. And the reason I even mention this is because if you go into like one of those things on the wall type of restaurants, mm-hmm. a lot of them in their restrooms will have targeted uh almost like mirrors on the wall right. that have these ads that play by motion sensors, right? Yes, but you yes. have to be standing in a particular place to see and hear them. Mm-hmm. So it's actually really interesting how this is, and this has been going on for years. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's fascinating where all of this can go. I'm just, 
It yeah. Really is. I mean, yeah. I I wonder if it might scare some people. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, know, there's I mean, this I, voice coming out of nowhere. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I, I mean, and I think that's where where so many great technology ideas come from or spawned from science fiction. And, yeah. you know, that that's often the, the hallmark of a, of a dystopian uh, uh, <laughs> oligarchy where we're, we're all ruled by advertisers. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But I mean, like even the communicators from Star Trek, I mean, like, yeah. that's where our phones came from. Totally. <laughs> like, <laughs> totally. In fact, Samsung even has a flip phone now. Like an actual, like it has a regular screen, but you can like fold it in two. Yeah. And it looks exactly. Totally. Beam me up. Like exact, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's really funny. And it just, it, it amuses me to no end that it took to this year <laughs> yeah. for that to actually happen. I just right. think it's funny. We, we've Holograms. caught up to, to 1960 technology yeah. and, and sci-fi. It's, it's just really funny to me. But yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's a little off topic, but yeah. Um, <laughs> but this has been really educational and, and fascinating, Eric. I really appreciate your being here. Can you let people know how they can get in touch with you? Sure. Um, you can, uh, probably the easiest way is just visit our website. It's coopstudios.com. That's C-O-U-P-E, studios, plural, dot com. Um, you can email me from there. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's another good way to do it. Um, you will not find me on any other social. Um, I have that's three okay. kids. So yeah, you're busy. That's, uh, <laughs> I am busy. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, totally get it. <laughs> That is great. Thank you so much. This has been really interesting, and I really appreciate your taking the time. No, thank you for having me on, and, and thank you for, for producing this this podcast and having so many great guests on. Um, I'm a huge fan and uh, really appreciate what you're doing to elevate the industry in general and, and educate people about sound. So thank you. Well, thank you. It's a passion, <laughs> as it is yours, too, Indeed I'm sure. it is. <laughs> Thanks. Well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, why not tell a friend about this podcast? It's available in all the usual locations. Until next time. Bye.